Okay, I have to say just to start that I loved what Becky said because it totally reminded me because for years and years and still really, like I prayed for self-control. Cedric can tell you I had self-control written on my mirror for forever, but I kept, oh my goodness, it's like when is there going to be evidence that I have some self-control in my life, you know? And it's so funny. I'm a nail biter. I've been a nail biter for years. Like I've tried all kinds of things. My cousin told me I should pick up cross stitch, so I had something to do with my hands. And if you know me, like cross, I'm not going to stick with cross stitch for very long. And um, anyway, but um, you know, for years and years. Anyway, a few years ago, I just stopped biting my nails. And um, for and 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 it's so funny because even now I'm not perfect about that. But even now, every time I see this little white strip at the top of my nails, I think to myself. This is God's little sign to tell me that he is actually working on my self-control and he's at, his power is inside me, working on me and changing me. So anyway, Becky, thanks for that. Um, when Drew asked me to do this, I said I would pray about it, but I kind of felt like it was a no-brainer. Um, some of you all um, know that my kids have taken piano lessons from Rita Hauk for years and years, and one of her hard and fast rules is, if you are my, one of my students and someone asks you to play something on the piano, the answer is yes, always. Well, over the years, I've kind of developed my own rule that if someone asks you to talk to people about Jesus, the answer is yes, and you can worry about the formalities later. So... Anyway, I talked to Drew, I picked the date next Sunday, and a topic, and I made sure that I wasn't scheduled to work that weekend, and so you know where this is going, right? So this past Monday, Drew sent me a little note and called me and said, there's a little snafu with the schedule, Kathy, and so you're actually on for today instead. And he, gave, he did give me an out, you know. But I really, I kind of really thought about that because I was panicking on Monday. But I thought, you know, here we are, we're talking about being brave. And really, ultimately, what I'm asking is, can I trust God enough and be brave to just stand up here and do this? So um, the answer is yes, I guess, because I'm here. So... <laughs> So anyway, um, I often, Drew mentioned that I'm a physical therapist at Children's Hospital, and I often ask my patients if they can be brave. Since I'm at Children's, I see lots of little people who are hurt and scared and have really stressed out parents. So um, they've had surgery, they've had, they're sick, they're injured, um, and they're scared. And I walk in, and they know that my job is to move them. <laughs> so... I usually walk, knock on the door, hi, it's just me, Kathy, from PT, and introduce, them to my, to their, introduce myself to their family. And um, then my, my, my habit is to talk to the child and to always talk to the parent kind of through the child after that. So I, I also kind of have found that, especially for those like elementary age kids, if I actually go up and just kneel by their bed, um, it kind of disarms them a little bit, you know. So I kneel by their bed and I chit-chat with them a little bit. I'm good at chit-chatting. And, and then I let them know what we're going to do. And I say, I need you to be very brave. Do you know what brave means? It's doing what you have to do, even though it hurts 
or it may be hard. But the good news is you don't have to be brave by yourself. I'm here to help you, and I'm going to show your mom and dad how to help you too. So we're just going to take it step by step. I'll tell you what we're going to do before I do it, and you need to bravely try it and then tell me how you're feeling. So basically I'm trying to convince this kid that he needs to trust me and be brave because I'm his physical therapist and I know what I'm doing, you know. I know him. I know what's going on with him. I know what he's been through, what, I, what we have to worry about, and how to help him. So, but oftentimes the answer is, you know, I don't want to. I'm afraid or I'm going to fall, like to which I usually answer, who do you think I am? I wouldn't be a very good physical therapist if I let you fall, would I? So what I'm trying to communicate to this person, this little person, is that he can trust me and be brave because of who I am. I'm his physical therapist. So the point of where we're going with all this, I guess, is that how much more can we trust Jesus and how much more can we be brave because of the wonderful God that he is. So let's pray real quick. Father God, I just thank you so much um, for who you are, for who Jesus is, for who the Holy Spirit is. Um, I, just, I, just thank, I just pray that you would reveal to us um, who you are, that you would help us to trust you and to be brave and to tap into that power to help us be um, and fulfill the purpose that you have created us to be and do. So, amen. All right, so my, the scripture that I chose with Matthew 16, starting at, um, at verse 13, and humorously about that too, Drew said, told me later this week that I could pick whatever I wanted, but I actually thought this was what I had to do. And that's really great because otherwise I probably would have still been choosing this morning. So, <laughs> um, so Matthew 16, um, starting at verse 13, reads, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people around here say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, but others Elijah, and still others, Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. And I'm going to stop right there for a second. So my question to you is, who do you say Jesus is? The people, the people around them in Caesarea Philippi, they had some answers. But they were wrong. And we're surrounded by a culture and by people who have a lot of ideas about who Jesus is. All we have to do is look at the Time magazine or the National Geographic or the Life magazine that comes out right before Christmas and Easter to know what the world wants to tell us about who Jesus is. Um, So I'm going to give you some examples of some of the things that I've heard. Um, You think he's the son of God? There is no God. Sinless? Unlikely. Resurrected? impossible creator that's not how the world works you know i think jesus was a really good man his way is a good way to follow 
He lived at a time when crossing the Roman Empire could be fatal. It was for him. And, you know, I don't believe that he actually died for my sins. I'm sure you guys could add a ton of things um, to that list. But Jesus asks, who does, do people say the Son of Man is? And who do you say that I am? And I love that these aren't trick questions. And I also love that Jesus includes the answer in both of his questions, the Son of Man and I am. And I think that's pretty cool. So, but Peter answers the question, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. He confesses that Jesus is God. He says that he is the Son of God, the Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One, the One who has come to save. So what about you? Do you believe that in your head and in your heart? Do you believe that Jesus is the promised Son of God, that when he came and died on the cross, he conquered sin, yours and mine, thank God, and that when he rose from the dead, he conquered death. We can be brave because Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Christ. He's the Savior. He has saved us from punishment from sin. And I I love, too, that Jesus is so reassuring to us. Um, He tells us that when we're his, No one can snatch us out of his hand. He says, your name is engraved on the palm of his hands. He says, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. So once you're his, no one will be slamming the door to the kingdom on you, you know. And one of my favorites is that in Revelation 3, he says that he'll put his name and address on us. It says... He will write the name of God and the name of the city of God on believers. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Toy Story, (laughs) but um, if you do, you know how important it was to be identified as Andy's toy and how Woody always picked up his foot and showed Andy written on his foot, you know. So we're, I mean, we're like Andy's toys, you know. We are his, and he is making sure that we are never lost again. So I just love that nothing God's word tells us nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. That's from Romans 8, um, 38 and 39. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation can ever separate us from him once we're his. So, you know, for many of us, our circumstances and our situations can change. So... Maybe you're poor when you once were rich, or you're unemployed when you once had a job. You were sick, or you are, you're sick now when you once were healthy. You were sad when you were happy. Maybe your marital status has changed. You were once married, or you were once single, and now you're married, you know. But the thing is that our situations can change, but we are always his. And because you and me Because we are his, we can be brave. So what's really awesome, this week we're talking about power, is that, so 
Jesus claims us as our own, but he doesn't stop there. When we become his, he seals us with the Holy Spirit, and he fills us with the Spirit's power. And I think we need to think about what exactly that power is. That's the same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead, that brought Lazarus back to life, that produced a life in Sarah's barren womb when she was 90 years old. That power is the same power that breathes life into us when we're dead in sin. That is, and that's a miracle, you know? So um, I, I love that in John um, 5:24, Jesus says, I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. So we were dead, and now we're alive. And that's a miracle. And, I, and the reason I want to talk about that a little bit is because I think that sometimes um, we can discount the miraculousness of our salvation um, when we emphasize what we did to receive it instead of what he did for us. So, for example, I've heard this example a lot. You know, it's like I was drowning in the sea. I was in the sea drowning in my own sin. And I reached out my hand and grabbed Jesus's hand and was saved when in reality we are laying at the bottom of the sea completely helpless and powerless to do anything and he brings us up and with his spirit he breathes new life into us so I just think that's really cool that he I mean I don't know I'm kind of a literal person but I feel like he just he dug us out of the grave that we dug for ourselves with our own sin, you know, and with his power, he, um, he made us alive again. So a question that I have is, do you look at your salvation as being a miracle that's powered by the Spirit of God? Um, or do you, are, are, I, I mean, a lot of times I think people are like, gosh, do miracles really happen? Will I ever see a miracle? Well, I'm just going to assure you right now that if you have confessed Jesus and Lord and, as Savior and believe in him as Lord, that you have definitely experienced a miracle, you know? And I just think that that is really cool and a reason to be brave because we can be brave because through his death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead, we who believed have been saved from death and graciously given life now and forever. Miraculously, his spirit has made us cross from death to life, his spirit and his work. Okay, so um, Jesus asked the question, who is he? But I love that Peter's confession is so beautiful and truth-filled as well. To Jesus' question, he says, You, Jesus, are Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus' response is so awesome. Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I kind of think of that as Jesus saying, Peter, you are favored by God. And my Father has revealed to you who I am. Welcome to the family. It's like, you know, we're, we're letting you know the family stuff now, you know. My father's going to talk to you. Um, but the, as I was reading through this, I just wanted 
to say those same words to Jesus so I could hear him bless me in that way. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus Christ, you are the son of the living God. And then hear Jesus say back to me, Blessed are you, Kathy Lowe, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. You're part of the family. Isn't that cool? (laughs) Isn't that cool? Do you want to try it? You know? I think it's really awesome, and they're such powerful words. Um, But we can be brave, another reason, because as those who believe, we are blessed and favored by God. If some of these hymns that we just sang, I mean, if God is for us, who can be against us, you know? But um, I, want, um, I want to say more about verse 17, I guess, oh, which they're not numbered up there, but the blessing that Jesus gives in verse 17 also speaks um, to the power of the Holy Spirit to reveal the truth of God's word to us. Um, and just like, you know, many at- people attack who Jesus is and, um, and have some false ideas about that. I mean, we've heard a lot of people attacking the truth of the Bible and what the Bible is and what it says and attacking that too. But, I mean, a lot of people have false ideas about the meaning of Scripture because they don't have the Spirit's power to understand. And um, uh, I thought that these verses were just really explanatory about that, I guess. Um, Paul writes this to the Corinthians. What we have received is not the spirit of the world. It's not from man. But the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. What has God given us? Think about that. The person without the spirit does not accept things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. And cannot understand them because those things are discerned through the Spirit. So we can be brave to stand in the truth of God's word, even when other people may question or call it foolishness or ridicule us, because we believe it. When we believe it, let's see if I can say this correctly. Okay. When other people um, ridicule us and, um, I mean, has that ever happened to you? Like, do you actually believe this or question the truth of that? Oh, we can believe what it says. Sorry, I got like myself like, sorry about that. But anyway, we can, we can believe what it says because we have the Holy Spirit in us and other people don't have the Holy Spirit in them. The Holy Spirit in us tells us and reveals to us what that truth is so we can be brave to be confident of what the truth of it is. So I'm going to summarize some reasons that I've said so far for why we can be brave. We can be brave because we're his. We can be brave because through his death on the cross and resurrection from the dead, we have crossed from life to death. That Holy Spirit power did that for us. We can be brave because we are blessed by God. And we can be brave to stand on the truth of his word because of the Holy Spirit's power that's in us to help us to understand it. Okay, so we're going to move to the last two verses. Sorry, can you believe this is only seven verses? <laughs> anyway, um, and, this, and, and here, after Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus gives him a new name or identity and power and a purpose. So he says, I tell you, 
You are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed on heaven. So once Simon, his name is now Peter, which means rock. And Jesus, we know later when we see after Pentecost, Jesus would build his church on the, leader, on the leadership of Peter and those who came after him. And of course, Jesus is our rock. I was thinking to myself as I walked up here, I need to walk up here and feel like I'm standing on that rock, you know. But of course, Jesus is the rock. But I love how in um, 1 Peter... Um, Peter himself refers to all believers as rocks, as living stones. It says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by men, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Now, um, I'm involved in a Bible study that teaches you how to do what's called homiletics. And one of the the things that, um, that, that I've that you learn to do is to look at content and the content of different verses and try to shorten them to be, to say just the facts. You know what I mean? We call it thinking and shrinking. Okay. So I'm going to shrink this verse. Okay. So, um, as you come to him, so as you confess, Jesus is the Christ. You also like living stones, like rocks, are being built into a spiritual house, the church. Now I'm going to shrink it a little bit more. As you, as you confess that Jesus is the Christ, you also, like rocks, are being built into the church. Now I don't know about you, but that promise to us sounds a whole lot like Jesus' promise to Peter. And I think that we can... We can claim that for ourselves and act on that. Um, Jesus also promises Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And keys are like power and authority, you know. You, the master gives, who, who gives the servant his keys has given that person a lot of responsibility and power. And we can certainly see Peter using those keys to open the kingdom of heaven to the people in Jerusalem after Pentecost, when after he's filled with the Holy Spirit, he runs out and preaches the good news about Jesus to all of those who are gathered in Jerusalem. And I love that, um, you know, of course, that's the birthday of the church, and they celebrate the church's birthday by adding 3,000 people to the number of believers. So a question I have for you is, for whom will you unlock the kingdom? By telling the good news of Jesus. Who will you turn the key for? Can you think of somebody now? How will you do it? When will you do it? Can you be brave to trust Jesus that he's put that person's name in your mind? And how will you be a stepping stone? A stepping stone for someone else to believe. How will you be a rock? A foundation, a foundational rock that Jesus can lay and then can lay other layers on top of as he builds his church. So after Peter, so this whole, we could just sum up this whole scripture by just saying that after Peter confesses Jesus is the Christ, Jesus gives him a new name, a new pur- our purpose and power to do it. 
And so we can say that for ourselves too. When we confess that Jesus is the Christ, Jesus gives us a new identity, power, and purpose. So my first question is, what's your new name? What's your new identity? Like Peter, it could be rock or living stone. I love um, in, in verse 18 how Jesus says, the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. In mine it said, the gates of hell will not overcome it. The church, which of course is us, the body of believers. And so can you be, could, could you be named an overcomer? Revelation 12:11 says, and I love again how this just speaks to the power that we have um, in Jesus' blood and spirit. It says that those who believe in Jesus overcome the power of Satan and hell through the blood of Jesus and their boldness to share the good news. So will he call you an overcomer? Do you long for Jesus to call you beloved, redeemed, loved child of God, blessed? Blessed are you. Kathy Lowe, one after God's own heart, the apple of his eye. When we confess Jesus is the Christ, we get a purpose. Ephesians 2.10 says, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What were you uniquely created by God to do? I was really surprised as I was going through this and kind of breaking down and thinking of, um, like, what does all this mean? I was was really surprised when I um, thought about the Great Commission because when you break all this stuff down, Peter's, what Jesus tells Peter in these verses, sounds a whole lot like the Great Commission. Can we put the Great Commission up? I think that's the next one. Uh, Matthew... Yeah, and Jesus came, to, came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Unlock the kingdom, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Sounds the same, doesn't it? I think it does. Very similar anyway. So finally, are you his? Are you sealed with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with his power? When you confess that Jesus is the Lord, he's the Savior, he gives you a whole new identity. He gives you purpose and power. Do you believe that? I mean, everybody hears it, but do you believe that with your head and with your heart? Do you act like you believe that? Knowing that, can you be brave? So, since we're doing this, the brave heading and the brave challenge, what is your brave challenge? I, um, I have a coworker who goes to Crossroads and um, so obviously is also going through the brave challenge. And yesterday I asked her, so what's your brave challenge? What are you doing? And she said, oh, Kathy, my brave challenge is to pray for 20 minutes a day. Isn't that pitiful? And I said, no, that's not pitiful. Remember that question that they asked us last week? What are you craving? Well, I'm craving connection with God. I just want to be abiding with him. I want to be connected with him all the time. So I was kind of thinking about praying for a certain time a day, a day 
as being my brave challenge too. So I hope it's not pitiful, you know? When I was talking to my dear friend Maggie Smith about what about our brave challenges and we were talking about it and the challenges of being brave, she said, oh, you know, being brave is just obeying what God's telling you to do and trusting him to take care of the consequences. Oh, I thought that was pretty good. Easier said than done, but I thought that was a pretty good summary. So what is God telling you to do for the next five weeks? And as we go through this journey, will you do it alone or will you share it with your group? Will you pray with other people? And the biggest thing is, will you depend on the Holy Spirit's power to do it? Because if you don't, it's going to be really hard to do. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that's, I just want to encourage you all um, to participate in that and see what the Lord has for you at the end of this five weeks. So let's pray real quick. Father God, I just I thank you so much for, um, for who you are, that we can trust who you are. I want to know, and all of us to know, the fullness of who you are. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to each one of us the fullness of what our identity is in you. And I pray, Lord, that you would give each one of us a purpose and Um, and that we would know that your Holy Spirit, that you've given that to us, that you've filled us with it, so so that we can fulfill that purpose that you have created us for. I just lift up all this in your precious son Jesus' name. Amen.